Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Andrew. I'm Tara. This is part 46 of our 3,726 part series wherein we select a movie at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. Uh, watch it, find what research we can find. <laughs> but, research to find in any information we can find. <laughs> God, God willing, we'll find something interesting to talk about aside from recounting the plot. Um, and then tell you what we thought and possibly learned. Our main role for the podcast is we must watch whatever movie we select as long as neither of us have seen it before. We have a couple other rules that we'll invoke as needed or you can look them on our website. Yeah, we're not like your other movie podcasts. We're like, ooh, I'm going to talk about blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't even know what we're talking about until we start the episode. My favorite movie is Wind Talkers. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dear God. Anyway. Anyway. Um, off to a good start. <laughs> totally. Uh, so this week it is my turn to pick the movie. And so, Tara, if you will be so kind as to start flipping through the book. Stop. You're not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make you squirm. We are watching All the King's Men. Oh. It's from 1949. Okay. 109 minutes long. Uh, directed by Robert Rawson. So, the... Movie is described in the guide as follows. Based on Robert Penn Warren's Pulitzer Prize winning novel and inspired by real life Louisiana governor, Huey Long, Rosin's Oscar winning drama is a dark, cynical look at political demagoguery and corruption. Roderick Crawford, who also won an Oscar for his portrayal, brings blustery charm and oversized performance to the charismatic populist politician Willie Stark, who turns his back on ideals when he discovers the real currency of political power. Rosin's savage screenplay with its folksy rhetoric and documentary-like direction gives an immediacy to the drama. Excellent performance by Mercedes McCambridge, who took home an Oscar for her film debut, as the cool mistress-turned-calculating assistant, and John Ireland as the newsman-turned-political flack. Help make this film an American classic. Okay, well, I mean, Oscar-nominated. That's promising. Talking about political corruption, so, you know, God knows we haven't had... Or full of that recently. Populist but... politicians. <laughs> God. Calibration. Hmm. I mean, it's a movie that people have heard of. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it. Like, I yeah. heard of it enough to be like, oh, I didn't say it like that. But, but <laughs> that, that's what's more optimistic than I sounded, I think, when you said it. I was like, oh, originally. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have heard of the movie. Like, I spent my days in a seething rage about real life politics. Yeah. I can't watch uh, a movie uh, that'll. Get me even more riled up about fictitiously embellished politics, we'll say. Well, so too bad you have to. Yeah. No, I mean this. This seems like it'll. I mean, it's Oscar nominated, or did it win? Oscar winning. Winning. Okay. So I mean, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Based on a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Okay. So it, it sounds like there is. You're like really trying to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> like prevent yourself from getting optimistic. I, I, I am. No, it's because <laughs> I've like fooled me eighteen times. <laughs> Shame on whoever. But I mean, <laughs> nineteen times. I don't even know how to. Shame on our cat. Yeah. Shame on Colin. All right. <laughs> so 
uh, with, uh, with all that uh, rambling that's going to be edited out of the podcast taken care of, mm-hmm. uh, we will be back after this musical interlude. With our thoughts and opinions. Exactly. On all the king's men. Yes. And all the king's horses. <laughs> well, if you have time. <laughs> All right, we are back. I feel, we're back. Yeah. <laughs> feel like yep. we're yep. always so optimistic when we go to break <laughs> and then we come back and we're just deflated like, hey, we watched the movie, guys. Guys, guess Can't what? wait to talk to you about this movie we just watched. I'm so excited that we lived up to our promise to you guys. Uh, it's, but oh. you can't tell how we feel about it before we <laughs> Uh, We've got a secret for you. (laughs) You're never going to guess. You'll never, never guess. Uh, So, yeah, so we watched all the King's Men, as uh, as promised. We watched all of them. We didn't have much choice in the matter. Right. There wasn't wasn't any opt-out scenario that we had. Yeah, you you didn't, like, get a DVD menu, and it says, like, how many of the King's Men would you like to watch today? Just half, I think. Uh, (laughs) I'll get the gist of it if I just watch half. No, all or nothing. So we watched watched them all. And uh, if we sound a little tired, it's because we just came from PodCon, and it was two days of running around the Seattle Convention Center listening to uh, other podcasters tell us what we're doing wrong. (laughs) 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 I will never match anything. We paid $100 a piece to go, and they just berated us constantly. Yeah, they're like, just stop. (laughs) Yeah, the truth hurts, you know. But we're we're spiteful, uh, vengeful people, so, you know. We're, we're going to keep at it. Um, but if we sound a little peaked, that's part of the reason why, at least. The other part is because we watched All the King's Men. Yeah, that, that, that you know, shock, that is the other reason why. Yeah, and uh, let's, should we just get into our, uh, our rating? Yeah. Okay. So our patented five-point scale, not patented. Pat- patent pending. Patent pending. In uh, order from worst to best ranges from don't watch to maybe don't watch to eh. To maybe watch and the best possible rating, don't not watch. So, have you got a rating in mind? Uh, yes. Cool. Do you, do you have a rating? I do. Okay, so on the count of three, we will simultaneously reveal one, two, three. Maybe, maybe don't, don't watch. watch. Yep. Yep. That, uh, but, but. that wraps up this episode. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Catch you later, Peter Hags, and uh, yeah. Uh, peace, out. peace out. Bye. Uh, um, no, I feel. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had we had high, uh, not high hopes. You could probably tell. I from, thought you were going to say we had hot hopes. We had hot hopes for this bad boy. <laughs> Our hopes were so hot. No, we and now they have cooled right off. They sure have. And I feel bad when a movie is like award winning like this. I'm like, no, it's no good. Yeah. Uh, so hey, everybody, this movie sucks. Uh, I know. I know it's uh, critically acclaimed and really well regarded, and a lot of people like it. But no. But no, excuse me. But, I did actually see someone in the brief Googling I did who said, I have no idea why this is so cr- critically acclaimed. Yeah, and I think I can understand maybe like at the time why it would be really Lauded. well regarded. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, this is now like almost 70 years later. And the film medium well. has gotten quite a lot better. Yeah, uh, which t- is not to say it's not awful. I mean, it, it's fine, but it's not the kind of thing that I feel like I would ever watch again. There's nothing 
too offensive <laughs> right. with how the film was made. Although, we should have, I think, uh, in retrospect, any movie made before 1990 should automatically have the how racist or sexist is this movie going to be Oh, uh, yeah, we missed that opportunity to, to, to score beforehand. Yeah, and uh, as it turns out, kind of sexist. Oh, yeah, real, real sexist. Yeah. Um, like, slap a woman multiple times. Shake sense into them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll kind of, we'll get to that as yeah. we discuss the plot. But, yeah, not great. And let's just get into the plot. Sure. So, let's do it. So the movie opens up uh, with this reporter, Jack Burden, who is writing an article about uh, Willie Stark, this guy who is running for treasurer. And he has some good messages and people are kind of getting behind what he's saying, kind of a populist uh, type thing. But he is, uh, as I phrased it in our notes here, kind of a sucky loser. Who loses the election? <laughs> and on top of it, like to be fair, that like the established politicians locally are like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, they've got you're not of... getting into our club, right? They've... So they're kind of goonish. Yeah, they are pretty goonish. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, like they were throwing like rocks in his windows, beat up his son, yeah. and left him in a ditch or whatever. You know, so not cool. Not 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 great, guys. Not but great. at the same time, you're right. Uh, well, at the time, also was a sucky loser. He was just kind of, like, meek and not, uh... Not well-educated. Yeah. Um... Despite losing the election, Jack has his faith in him, and he writes this kind of stirring article, and the, his editor is like, you're like, you really put your heart into this, you really mean it. And he's like, yeah. Or like, yeah. you really believe this guy. Right. And uh, he's like, yep, well, he lost, and I'm going on vacation to see my, my parents, and go. I'm going back home to Burden's Landing. So he does, he goes back to his home and he meets back up with his mom and his terrible stepfather and his, there's like drama there. His stepfather is a jerk who doesn't really think he's doing anything worthwhile. Yeah, Um, his mom's turned to alcoholism. Yeah, and he also, while he's back there, connects back up with Anne Stanton and her uncle, who's a judge. Her brother, Adam, who's like a surgeon, and they go way back, I guess, like, they've known each other for a while. And it's kind of funny, because he's talking to the judge at first and catching up, and then he sees Anne come back, who's like, whoa, hold on, man, get out of here, I gotta go talk to this pretty lady, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, except he goes, like, excuse me, sir, while I go kiss your knees. Yeah, he just stops mid-sentence and runs off. And then he never returns. Yeah. Just goes into a montage of, like, dates with Anne. That, I think, is the first technical problem with this movie that I had, is that there are a lot of montages, and none Real of them are bad. very good. Yeah, Real bad. It, like, it's being generous to even call them a montage, I feel like, because they're all, like, maybe two or three scenes, it seems like, so it's not very effective. Yeah, it's like, a- boop, 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 boop. Yeah, um, so many montages, and... Obviously, with montages, you you can't be very subtle. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, here, I'm going to tell you this huge amount of story in a minute. Yeah, and something similar kind of happens with Willie, because we're following his progress as well. And so he also gets this montage around the same time, where it's showing him, like, I'm going to become a lawyer. And then it's like a scene of him, like, reading a book, and then all of a sudden he's putting his degree on the wall, like, there we go, I'm a lawyer now, like, how much time has here? Like, this was, like, 30 seconds, if that, of the movie, and all of a sudden he's got his law degree, uh, and looking <laughs> satisfiedly, you know, like, I did it. Done and done. So, after Willie becomes a lawyer in, like, the blink of an eye, there's a school in the local town that collapses, resulting in a number of students dying, 
And it's something that he'd been warning people against well, earlier. Too. Yeah, exactly. So, so it kind of harkens back to when he was running for county treasurer because he uh, war- was trying to warn the people, like, yeah, they're they're going to get you stuff, and they say they're going to save you money. It's because they're getting you the shittiest quality stuff. Um, you know, they're not setting you up with infrastructure that's going to last. They're just like taking your money. This is just like a grift. They're not out here for the people. Right. So, dun dun dun. dun uh, what he said came to be, and um, they had to find this out through a really horrible incident. But again, talk about a lack of subtlety in this movie. While he's standing around at the funeral, so it's like the whole town is there, and there's there's this big funeral for all the school children who died. And he's standing there, and like as soon as the service is completed, people walk up to him and start going like, "You were right, Willie. We should have listened to you." <laughs> and then you see him become like really proud of himself. <laughs> like it's such a weird emotion to convey at a funeral. Just that whole thing of yeah. like, "Oh, I'm going to go up to somebody immediately after this priest is done and be like, "You were right, motherfucker." <laughs> yeah. And. uh God, that was so weird. Yeah. Um. So Willie's like, "Yeah, I was right," and you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something about it. So everybody's just like all over him, fawning over him. There are articles being written, and as another example of bad montaging, yeah. it's just. Uh, a few scenes of articles being pasted into a scrapbook. And yeah, it's just, no, it's really making, he's making a fucking scrapbook about himself. <laughs> like, oh, look, they said my name. And super dramatic music, too. It's like, oh, this scrapbooking <laughs> is so, so intense. Yep, dramatic scrapbooking yeah. is, you know, the hallmark of any fine motion picture. <laughs> yeah. So, all the scrapbooking is going on, and then, like, as he finishes pasting in his latest article into his scrapbook, a group of people walks into the front door of his house and exclaim, Willie Stark, the new state governor! Uh, coincidentally, that's when Jack Burden comes back on the scene after all this school hubbub and uh, just happens to be there right at the same time. This is definitely how politics happen. Yeah. You know, pretty much any opportunity you want in life. It's handed to you by a group of people who burst through your door and proclaim it. Yeah, and I mean, so, he's, he's not being made governor yet. He's no, like, no, 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 We should no. say he's... No, they're, like, encouraging him to run for governor. Right. It's not like they put a, a governor's <laughs> yeah, crown just on out his of head. nowhere. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry if I gave the wrong impression there. No, no. It's a lot of very, like, coincidental stuff happening, like, at just the right time. And in, in this case, I think it's a little forgivable because it becomes pretty apparent uh, pretty quickly that he's being used to be kind of a spoiler candidate in this election. Oh, yeah, I was about to get into that. (laughs) The group of people are really hired by this other guy who's running, and Willie is supposed to be a spoiler candidate to cause the vote to get split. And so the guy that they're hired to help out will eventually win. And really what they're trying to do is, quote, split the hick vote, end quote. Willie doesn't know this at first, and he's, like, going about making his his speeches. He's just, like, so pumped full of himself. He's, like, pretty big-headed at this time, but he's not, like, on fire. Yeah, I mean, the speeches that he gives are pretty lackluster. They're super lackluster. It's, like, he's just like, yeah, I'm I'm this big shot now. But he believes in himself. But he does. He's super, super believes in himself. And we can see people just, like, walking disinterestedly away from his speeches, just like, oh, he's... 
Right. Talking about taxes. Yeah. So there's this woman, Sadie, who who is kind of like the handler. And Willie thinks she's basically like a campaign manager. So Sadie's like watching Willie give this pretty mediocre speech. And she goes and walks into a restaurant nearby and sits down. And then Jack Burden follows her and is like, uh, so you're setting him up, right? And she's like, well, yeah, no shit. But don't say anything. Well, surprise, Willie does find out that he's got all these people around him who don't actually want him to win. They're just using him. And he gets really, really upset. Sadie um, is like, well, why don't you get smashed? And she brings like this bottle of alcohol. Willie is not really much of a drinker because his wife doesn't like alcohol. And uh, he's just so upset that he's like, fine, fuck it. I'm going to get real smashed. So he gets like crazy drunk. The next morning, Jack finds him and is like, shit, Willie, wake up. You have to give your speech. And there's this really stupid scene of them like trying to make their way through this carnival. And he's like looking at Ferris wheels and hearing all the noise and everything. And he's just like throwing up all over the place. Yeah. And so they just, like, meander, and he eventually has to stop and, like, sit on a swing because he just, like, can't even walk. He's, like, still so shit-faced. Yeah. And also, I mean, Jack shouldn't have let him sit on a swing. That's not... Just, like, sit on the... Bad idea. Bad idea. On the ground. That would be better. Like, more stable. But anyway. Uh, Willie makes it up onto the stage, and just, like, I think the combination of the alcohol and feeling like he had nothing to lose, he just gives this speech where he's just, like, on fire. He's just, like... Super enthusiastic, and he really goes into the things that he thinks are wrong and and what he would do if he was elected, blah, blah, blah. And the crowd goes wild. Yeah, so he and then just continues giving these impassioned speeches. And so he, he doesn't win that election, but then he kind of has the groundwork laid to know what to do the next time when he runs. And he runs again for governor using these these techniques, and he wins. And and getting, like, lots of funding from, like, oil companies, if I remember right. Yeah. And, and different things. So he becomes governor, and then it kind of just skips forward in time a bit when, when he's, like, fully entrenched in his governorship, and he's become quite corrupt, it uh, seems like. Super corrupt. Um, and he's also, like, hired all the goons that were, like, giving him a hard time when he was running for treasurer. Yeah. And so he's got these goons hanging around as, as part of his, not cabinet, but I guess just... His, you know, his, his, his posse, his, his crew. Yeah. There is one of these guys who has <laughs> some role to play in his, his cabinet and has been doing shady stuff. And so Willie gets rid of him, throws him under the bus to make it seem... Like he is above board, I guess. Right. And and the judge, the uncle of the Stanton family, who is also working for Willie as the attorney general, yep. I think. Yeah, um, attorney general. He's like, this isn't right. Like, this this is a mess. You're no good. I'm quitting. I'm and out of here. He becomes kind of the main source of antagonism uh, against Willie for most of the rest of the movie. He's just constantly kind of in the background to uncover all the shady shit that he's done. So Willie just is kind of a, a dirtbag politician now. He's like very popular. He's like full, full on dirtbag. But he's got like a hospital and there's like a highway and like there's all this shit and it's all named after him. Yeah. Um, so he at least apparently did do some stuff for the people that maybe isn't bad. But he's very, very corrupt. Yeah, and everybody that knows him recognizes this, like including his wife and his son. And 
Yeah. His son is just, like, pretty disgusted with what's happened uh, to Willie, and he storms off at one point and is drunkenly driving around town with this girl, and they get into a car accident, and they're both hurt pretty bad in the accident. And his son is, like, less hurt than the girl is, and so they show him back at their governor's mansion. Uh, Willie is talking to the father of this girl. Mm -hmm. And the father is like, I know that your son was driving drunk, like, and I, I know that you're covering this up. And the, and Willie's like, well, the police report says it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, it, the police report that is written by the police that are under your control, this, right. you know, is not legitimate at all. And Willie's like, well, you're, uh, I understand you're a trucker, so, you know, trucks have to drive on roads that are managed by the government. And so, uh, we could get you, like, uh, an exclusive contract. And and the, the father is like, uh, no, I'm not gonna let you bribe me into just waving this away with my daughter being at death's door. And Willie's like, oh, very well. And <laughs> well, good day, <to> <laughs> uh, But at the same time, like, Willie's son comes down and he's like, yep, I did it. Yeah, yeah. Do whatever right. you want. Like, I'm gonna go along with it. I'm right. sorry. Yeah, and, uh, and so the, the father refuses this offer, uh, this bribe, and then all of a sudden, like, the father goes missing. Like, ooh, how, what could have happened there, I wonder? So the father goes missing, and then there's this football game that Willie's son is playing in, and, and Willie is pressuring him to go out back on the field to, to play, and Willie's son is, like, still pretty oh, fucked yeah. up from the accident. Right. And he takes a bad hit and is, like, in real bad shape to the point where, um, Adam Stanton is called in to do this surgery. It seems like his son is going to be paralyzed at least, but Adam is called in yeah. to try to at least minimize the loss to his quality of life. And he kind of begrudgingly agrees to do this. And then later, after his son is healed up, we see that Willie is going back to reconcile with his wife and her her dad, I think, is it? I think it might be, yeah. I think it might be his dad, even. Okay. I'm not sure. His dad or his father-in-law. Yeah, so he's going back to his home. Like, uh, there is plenty of evidence that Willie has been kind of getting around with the ladies, including with uh, Anne Stanton. Yeah, cool. Uh, huh. Who Jack had this thing for. And so he's going back to his wife to try to reconcile with her. And he's like, oh, hey, dad, I got you this new fancy radio and it picks up the police scanner frequencies. Let's listen to it. And they, they turn on the scanner and then it's like, uh... Please go to this guy's house. He's beating his wife again, and they all have a good laugh about that because it's hilarious that this guy is beating his wife. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just, just having a big old chuckle about it. Yeah, Andy Cap, you wife beating drunk. Then he's like, "Well, let's listen to this other station." And he changes it, and then like immediately, there's this news bulletin about how the father of this girl that was in the accident has been found dead. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's not suspicious at mm -mm. all. Nope. So yeah, after this, Judge Stanton keeps getting closer and closer to getting some good evidence. However, Willie tells Jack to go try and dig up whatever dirt he can on Stanton. He's like, there's got to be something there. You just got to keep looking. So Jack is on assignment. He's like looking through all kinds of documents and then he hits upon something. And he's like clearly shaken by it. Like he had a lot of respect for Judge Stanton and like had fully believed that there would be no dirt to find on him. Um, but sure enough, he turned up something and 
So you can see he's kind of like grappling with that. But at the same time, he doesn't just want to hand it over to Willie Stark. So he tries to keep it in his back pocket. Willie still is trying to get Jack to convince um, Judge Stanton to lay off Willie. And Judge is like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll think about it. And Willie just kind of like bursts in like, yeah, I can't wait for an answer. You need to tell me now. We know about this thing that you did 25 years ago. And it's not really spelled out what he did. Like he... Something, it sounded like he pushed somebody out of a situation in a pretty unethical way early on in his career. And it was so long ago that he had almost forgotten about what he yeah. did. He was like, oh, He was like, god. oh, shit. Oh, my God, I did do that. Oh, my God. And he's clearly upset. And he's like, well, I'm still not going to give you an answer right now, Willie. You know, you go and I'll think about it. And so Willie's like, fine, whatever. I guess I don't have a choice. And so they're heading out. Then all of a sudden they, hit, they hear a gunshot. So the judge committed suicide. Jack's still like, I have no idea how Willie found out about that because I didn't give him the dirt and then he pieces it together that Anne did. So um, Anne was having an affair with Willie Stark. Yeah. And she's like, yes, well, I love him. Blah, blah, blah. He says he's going to marry me. He's going to leave his wife and we're going to be married. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to help him. Just so shitty. So Willie ends up going to trial for for his corruption. Just his corruption. Just like like, eventually, (laughs) shit is just to the point where there's enough evidence. There's enough crap against him out there. Trial. Yeah. So he's on trial. So um, there's a a rabid group of followers who hang outside the courthouse while Willie's trial's going on, um, just like shouting, "Let him go! He's innocent!" Blah blah. And so he does go free. Yeah, and it, it's like it's clear that it's through coercion that they're letting him go free. Like they, yeah. they, they show the trial, and they're like, "Yeah, there's been a lot of intimidation here, and like you can hear the people outside. Like that's a form of intimidation in itself. The fact right. that he's bringing all these people in to root for him loudly and kind yeah. of aggressively, and it's kind of grotesque. Like the just their de- depiction of these people, like they're rabid fans of, of yeah. Willie, and um, hmm, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. there's parallels that Weird. you can draw. Uh, but, uh, well... We'll leave that well, to you to decide. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this has been the political corner again. Uh, please, uh, like, and subscribe. Willie's walking out of the courthouse uh, when he gets sort of, like, there, there's this group of people who are out in the crowd, and they push their way forward, and there's gunshots, and uh, Willie's shot. And it turns out that it was... Adam, Anne's brother, who killed him. It might not be right then that it happens. I think it's it's after okay. the trial. He's going someplace to whatever. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what the context was. So yeah, Adam kills Willie. And then Jack and Anne are talking after. And she's clearly upset. But Jack is like, hey, shit was fucked up. We need to tell the truth. We can't let what happened to your uncle be for nothing. And we need to use this as an opportunity to, uh, you know, just, like, divulge to the public everything shitty that Willie Stark did and fuck up his reputation. So we're gonna, we're gonna work and we're gonna tell, tell the true story. And that's it. End of movie. Yeah, like, it shows Willie 
succumbing to his gunshots and then the end like he dies and then seconds it's later like, <laughs> yeah, keeping <laughs> the trend of just movies ending very suddenly back in those days um that's all you need to know he died and uh, the end so no need for any kind of uh falling action there <laughs> nope. in the movie just draw your own conclusions as to what yeah. happens next so there you go all the king's men i mean was like there anything that you <gasps> liked about it Hmm. Anything I liked about it? Yeah, I think we should just try to see if there's anything. Gosh. Like, the acting was good for the most I th- part. I think so. Yeah, the acting was pretty decent. Um, I think the story itself is, like, probably an interesting story that could have been just told better in, like, a different format. Like, this isn't something that necessarily needed to be a movie. I think there was very clearly a lot of story. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe there were other ways of telling it that would have been more compact. So maybe if it had been turned into, like, a mini-series or something, I mean, I don't know. I'd be kind of curious to see the remake. It did not get good reviews at all. Like oh, okay, it was never mind. very it bad, was apparently. Yeah. Okay. But I think there, you know, something to be said for uh, exploring populist politicians yeah. and, like... What can happen? Yeah, I mean, it's some, like some of the implications. It's it's definitely a cautionary tale in some senses, and it's something that is, I think, pretty sadly uh, relevant right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the the like newsreel thing that was done about Willie Stark, and it's like Messiah or dictator. Oh yeah, like we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, there there's some newsreel that's being made about him, and it's titled like Willie Stark, Messiah or or dictator or dictator. Those are the two options, yeah. like. Like, there are other other nouns you might have chosen. That... <laughs> yeah. Nope, that's it. It's, <laughs> nope. it's either awful or great. Like you said, the, the story itself is interesting. It just is not something that I think made for a great movie or really could be made into a great movie because it, right. it was based on the book and the book was pretty long. It was like 450 pages and it's like, you can't. Yeah. Especially back then, that's a lot of material to pack into a movie that is less than two hours long. The book, from what I understand, is not told in chronological order. It kind of jumps around sure, a bit. And so just having to rework that into a script that does flow in chronological order, I think just it's a lot to take on. And so, I mean, just getting into the research that we did on yeah. this, uh, the the original version of the movie was one of the original versions <laughs> was gonna be like 250 minutes long fuck that yeah no. like you know if it had been 250 minutes long it would have uh, been withdrawn from our selection because it would have been over four hours which would have uh, caused us to invoke the movie length rule right so that would have been good but uh <laughs> so we're, anytime a movie is over four hours long we automatically <laughs> Say, choose something nope. else yeah but uh, apparently what they did when they were trying to get the movie down to a reasonable length, they, they were going to release it as uh, a four-hour and ten-minute long movie. And then uh, the director, Robert Rawson, was kind of aghast at the idea that the movie would be released in that state. And so he went to the, the editor, uh, Robert Parrish, and was like, here's what we're going to do. Take every scene that we shot <laughs> in the movie, figure out what you think the central point of the scene is going to be, 
and then just have like a certain amount of footage before that moment and a certain amount of footage after, like a very specific amount. 100 feet. Yeah, and we're going to cut it at both ends at exactly at those spots, regardless of what else is happening. Dialogue, music, who gives a shit? That's where we're cutting it. Yeah, and then we're just going to put it all together and see how it goes. And it's like, well... <laughs> ended out okay enough to where they felt comfortable releasing it and just i mean it's so fucking weird yeah just a real hack job there um, like the original hack job you could almost say <laughs> yeah and um one of the things when i was looking at reviews um or what critics of the time were saying is that they really liked the fact that it was pretty punchy like that that it was it's like boom, jumping boom, around, boom. yeah, so quickly because it wasn't the the norm at the time, and I think that, that really... well, just really true because we've definitely watched our fair share of older movies. And we're like, oh fuck, the pacing, yeah, so um, yeah, yeah. So it, it was kind of a, a breath of fresh air for American filmmaking specifically, and um, so that probably contributed to it getting the acclaim that it did. But not everybody liked it. Some some critics at the time correctly felt that it was kind of choppily contrived or that the the cuts that were made to the story coarsened it and made it lose a lot of the the nuance in the the original work. So the movie was designed purposefully to be a noir adaptation of the book, which explains the reason why all the characters in the movie are totally unlikable. There's, like, not very many. Yeah, I think, like, the movie kind of tries to make Jack the... Sort protagonist? of protagonist. But he's, he's kind of a... He's not... No, because... You like, don't empathize with him, really? You really don't. You're you're working as a journalist, and, like, that's your passion, and, and you refuse to do anything else because that's what you like. Okay, fine, whatever. You, but then you kind of... Then you get, of... like, embroiled with this dirtbag. And, and, like, at first, you know, he's into Willie because he believes in him, and he believes in his message, but then he, like totally sticks around all through the corruption and even like goes to the point of finding dirt on this longtime family friend yeah um and uncle of the girl he wants to marry yeah and just like what the fuck yeah no you're not a great guy yeah and i mean and that's kind of traditional for noir sure movies exactly like everybody is kind of awful um to an extent right what's kind of interesting about it is uh john wayne apparently was the first hick for playing the role of Willie Stark, but he felt that the script was full of unlikable characters. And mainly, he turned it down, and he turned it down apparently in like kind of a snotty way, because he felt it was hostile to the American way of life. And so for this reason, and for other reasons I think we've talked about before, uh, fuck John Wayne. Yeah, like, he's a good enough actor, I guess. Sure, But like, yes. he's just kind of pretty... Kind horrible of a, a, and every a horrible other... person. Yeah, every... he kind of was a horrible person. Yeah, uh, so obviously we talked about like the racist shit. Yeah, in a previous episode. And the about... shot lived really balanced. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. FJW. So, FJW. Um, Future Justice Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Unite! Unite! <laughs> <laughs> so okay, uh, apparently my autocorrect <laughs> decided to say that the the novel was. Never meant to be directly about Huey Lewis in the news, which is uh, true. But it would be very odd if if the author of the book had known about Huey Lewis in the news back in the the 30s. But the I, man who was the the music man who was promised us. Look, I know sports is going to be a great album, but uh, it's not what I was writing about here. 
what I meant to say was the, the, the book was not meant to be about Huey Long. Everybody feels like it was about Huey Long. But... Well, you just look at even pictures of Huey Long compared to, like, uh, the guy who played Willie Stark. And you're like, there's even, like, a little bit of a physical resemblance, at least in terms of, like, build. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so it's like, hmm. That's the, the author of the original book, Robert Penn Warren. Um, when talking about it later, he's like, I don't, know, I don't understand why people think that Stark is supposed to be like Huey Long. It's not what I intended at all. Um, but really, uh, you look at some of the similarities between the two, a few of them at least, were that they were both killed in the same way, in the same location. They were both lawyers who became governor. They um, were both kind of liberal populist politicians. The story takes place around the same time as Huey Long was prominent before he died. And uh, check this. The title is derived from the model of Huey P. Long, whose life was similar to that of Willie Stark. Quote, every man a king. End quote. Yeah, so Um... I I think uh, people were maybe (laughs) not too far off the mark when they felt that it was supposed to be Huey Long. Like, Ken Warren pretty adamantly said, like, oh, it's not supposed to be Huey Long at all. Like, uh, you would get the wrong impression if that was what it was supposed to be about. That's not what I was trying to say. And I was like, I think it kind of is. And it just, like, really raises this interesting question about authorial intent. Because, I mean, in this case, it's not as unclear. It seems like this was what he was writing. But I read uh, stuff about English professors writing to authors about the themes that they found in their books in the authors, writing back to the professors being like, oh, I didn't mean to write that at all. That's not what my intent was when right. I was writing this book. It's like, it, it's just really interesting that you can write something and just have your environment influence what you write to the point where even the author is not intentionally writing about a specific topic. Like that, it, it doesn't even occur to them yeah. because it's just like so present, I guess, but also at the same time, like, it's not at the conscious level, it's, like, it, it, in your subconscious. Yeah. And just, it comes through. Yeah. He also didn't really think of it as being a political novel, which, I mean, uh, it's yeah, pretty political in its nature. And yeah. I think it, it, what I could gather is that he really wanted the focus of the story to more be um, on the way that democracy can invite doom upon itself, uh, which is definitely an element of the story, for for sure. But to be like, oh, I don't know what people are saying, it's a political novel. Yeah. It's about Huey Long. I'm like, there's, um, a, yeah, there's, well, there's, a, there's some reasons. There's some uh, solid reasons. So this next thing uh, we have is not necessarily true, but something that's been said a lot from what we found um, is that the director, Robert Rawson, took the script away from the actors after they read it once. And again, just to like give a caveat, like there's nothing that could be found to corroborate it, like any real evidence, except for that this quote was found on different websites. Yeah, like on IMDb and a couple of other websites yeah. that we found. and. But it doesn't seem likely. There's no sourcing for it. There's no sourcing. It's not like this is a movie that you could just read the script once and be like, okay, oh, got yeah. it. 
dude, we all got it. We yeah. got it. We, we, we can just like improv it. We got this whole thing. Yeah. Roll camera. I'm ready. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Especially when it's so complicated. Yeah. Like, the, there's no way. Yeah. It's a bunch of bullshit. It, like, anybody be. who believes that. Like, citation needed for sure on that. Huge citation needed. If, if you've got the evidence, send us a link. Yeah, please. Something, if, whatever. I, I, I would be interested to see if that actually I would be is amazed if that was true. But, yeah, so. But for now, I call bullshit. Yeah. So I guess the last thing that we wanted to touch on with regards to Old King's Men was that, like we mentioned a little earlier, that it was pretty recently remade. I think 2006 was when the remake came out. And yeah. Like Sean Penn and a bunch of other well-known people in it. And it was pretty bad. Pretty, Apparently a big old pretty, stinker. Pretty bad. It's yeah. bad. And uh, the, the one thing that is, I think... Really notable for me, at least, and for Tara. Yeah. Uh, is that the the guy that wrote and directed and produced this remake is this guy, William Zalian, I think is how it's pronounced. Yeah, that's what I would say. And uh, he's been involved in the film industry for, for a long time. But the movie that he got his start in was this movie from the like late 70s, uh, Kingdom of the Spiders. Yeah! And so with that, I think this is probably the first time that we can actually do a... Seamless transition. Into talking about something not related to the movie that we uh, randomly chose, which is the 1977 movie Kingdom of the Spiders. Which is... Uh, great. Great. Like, it's ridiculous, but I, like, unironically love it. Unabashedly, unironically. Yeah. It's just a horror movie, and it stars William Shatner. Oh, He plays God. this guy named Rack, which already... He's a cowboy veterinarian. Yeah. A great name, a great uh, dual responsibility. <laughs> and he's in this town, like, in the south, and it's, like, a farming community. It's, and... like, southwest, kind of, more. Okay, and yeah. not, like, south-south, but, sure. like... And uh, it's a, this small town that eventually gets overrun by tarantulas. And so it's it's really ridiculous. And if you don't like tarantulas, might not be the movie for you. If you <laughs> like ranchos and you don't if like seeing them... Rancho. If you don't like seeing them get hurt, it also might not be the movie for you. Because <laughs> there's a lot of... Uh, there's a, some rancho stomping. Yeah, quite a bit of it. So uh, just something to be mindful of. But if you don't fall into either of those categories, it is... Have we got a movie recommendation for <laughs> you, friend? It's pretty great. It, it is uh, very ridiculous. But I, I think one of the reasons that I have such fond memories of it is because it's a movie that my mom and I kind of stumbled across late at night when I was, I must have been like eight or something. And so we were just watching a local TV station and the movie was on and we were just like sucked in. And the movie kind of ends with a gut punch. Mm-hmm. And so it was probably like around midnight that the movie ended and we we're just like, uh. and uh, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's well worth checking out. There's uh, like the, if you're familiar with riff tracks, the, the thing that a couple of the Mystery Science Theater guys do now, uh, they they did a Rift Tracks version of the movie that you can get off their website, or you can, I'm sure, find the... Unadulterated. Un- right, the unripped version pretty easily, but it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, can't go wrong with either version. Yeah. I think that pretty much... I think that wraps it up for us this week. Time to rest our voices after a weekend of podconning, meeting and greeting and hobnobbing and uh, all that. So, uh... Thank you very much to the Seattle band Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album Setting the Paces. Thanks, Thank you, Boat. Thank you, Boats. We 
would strongly encourage you all to support your local independent video stores. I think that's pretty much all there is now is independent video stores. Uh, if you're in the Seattle area, of course, we think very highly of Scarecrow Video. They have got a, a ridiculously huge selection of stuff that you're... We greatly esteem them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, they just, they've got an amazing selection of stuff that you really cannot find anywhere else. Stuff that's not probably ever going to be on any streaming service. It's, yeah, there's not a lot of them left and they could use your support. So help them out if you are able to. Yeah, give Scarecrow your money. <laughs> give them all your money. Uh, if you'd like to keep on top of the podcast. Uh, we can be found on most of the social medias, Facebook, on Instagram. Just look up Tara and Andrew Versus. You'll find us. Yeah. Um, if you want to check out our website where we keep show notes and other stuff, that's com. If you want to drop us a line, you can direct all of your love notes to taranandreverses at gmail.com. And uh, if you're enjoying this, please tell a friend. And if you're not enjoying it, tell an enemy. And either way, it's a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, catch, catch you, you later, later potato, potato eggs. Eggs.